0: Good day and welcome to another episode of Strictly Legal on WESN Content Capital. I am Rondell Donovan, attorney at law, and I am happy to be back. I know we had a, a, a short break uh, from the, the, the show, but we are back and we are ready to, to begin our new episodes. Um, of course, you can stream us on our social media platform, W E S N C C um, podcast, Strict Legal with Ronald Dunwo, and of course, our traditional media. Uh, getting right into the program, we are dealing with uh, publicity in uh, negative publicity in criminal trials. Uh, more importantly, the impact of delay and um, and media publicity that is, and um, how negative or what what type of impact it has on fear. Um, on having a fair trial, or the accused person having a fair trial. And, of course, I have on set, again, um, attorney at Law Freed Ali. He is probably uh, the, the, most, um, the, the, the most frequent guest of mine, and, and that is because of his wealth of knowledge, as well as we are continuing the conversation from, um, I know we had the last episode of Evidence in, um, in, in Trial, and we are going to continue the talk on evidence because it's very important, particularly um, as it relates to a lot of time, we're seeing that persons are using camera phones, uh, persons are, 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 are speaking about trials publicly because we are incensed by crime. And of course, persons feel as though detection rates and no, we would have spoken previously. Um, detection rate right now is uh, uh, approximately 18%. Uh, so, because of this, persons want to see justice. And whether or not um, publicity, or whether or not pre-trial publicity um, is fair to the accused. and I will bring our um, Mr Ali on set now. Good morning, Farid, how are you?
1: Good morning, Mr Donovan. It's a pleasure to be here. It's
0: good to see you. And um, thanks for coming once again. I know you answered that call and we are really grateful um, for that. Um, of course, I know on the last episode we dealt with evidence. We dealt with the, um, the trial process, the criminal trial process. What is preliminary inquiries? Um, what is a summary trial? What is indictable? And of course, leading on to that, um, I want us to discuss um, more particularly with pretrial publicity. I know we would have mentioned it very briefly, but I want to get into more detail as to why is it that pretrial publicity can negatively affect um, the the justice system or rather the accused person um, being treated fairly at trials. If we were to consider
1: the the Constitution of Triantabigo, the Constitution of Triantabigo speaks under section four of one's right to a fair trial and a fair hearing. Um, That is captured um, essentially in section five, subsection two F of the Constitution, which speaks to every accused person, everyone who's before the court. That individual is entitled to a fair trial, a fair hearing, and they're also entitled to the presumption of innocence. The presumption of innocence is simply this. Um, when you come before the court, the court will treat you as an individual, an accused person, as somebody who is innocent until the evidence proves you otherwise or proves you guilty. Indeed. So the thing with pretrial publicity, when it is you have uh, these what we may call high profile cases, we have serious criminal matters that the public may have an interest in. Um, If we look back into our history, we have a very colorful history in this country where persons were brought before the court who had a reputation before they were actually charged for the particular offense for which they're answering. Um, Some prime examples of that would be the Yasin Abu Bakr. Um, He was projectively the leader of the the Muslimin and um, in 1990, there was an attempted coup. So by the time he gets the trial, uh, for whatever matter, um, that reputation of being the leader of the Muslimin movement, um, that precedes him. Um, one of the most notorious ones and the, and the more popular ones in this country would have been the one that is associated with Nankisin uh, Mudram, the person who, who is commonly referred to as Dolce Um in, in 1994, there was a very popular, very famous um, criminal case um, born out of the fact that it was alleged, and I am saying it is alleged because we're taking it in the context of the, the matter hasn't started. It was eventually ruled against Chady. Um, the court ruled that he was guilty in terms of the jury found him guilty. But Chedi had an issue with the fairness of a trial in Tobago. His reputation as, as, as a known drug, lead, drug leader and as a known conspirator in, in, in terms of uh, criminality and persons who were who were involved in, in, in the drug trade, um, never really allowed for him to be viewed in, in the eyes of the public as somebody who um, is capable of any good. So the issue that arose in his trial process was simple. He's saying that he could never get a, a, a fair trial in Triantabigo because the persons and citizens of this country view him in a very negative light. Um, What transpired out of that is the the newsprint in this country carried um, a number of um, editorials highlighting what they considered to be um, his disreputable conduct and things that he was associated with in his mind that um, weren't true. So that really touches the heart of pretrial publicity. What was carried in, in, in some of the newspapers and, and the articles reflect, and I'm just giving you a brief, a very, very brief outline. Um, it said, one article carried that top US diplomat in coke scam, on the fr- and this was carried on the front page of the TNT mirror in, in September 1994. Um, some of the other things that were carried in, in, in the Sunday mirror was he was a convicted drunk drug dealer, um, Telephone calls were made from a cellular f- phone um, from his cells, um, calling hits on other persons. So, though he was, though he was um, the subject of this particular trial, um, he was arrested on occasions before. And every time he was arrested, the witnesses in the matters um, who were offering evidence against him would
0: disappear. But, can, but um, let's take a pin, but, but can't the media now argue, um, of course? Uh, freedom of the press um to inform the citizens as 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 their as their charter states the
1: the director of public prosecutions has a role to play in every criminal trial he has a dual function his function is not just um to carry the evidence in a courtroom and lay the evidence before the court but his 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 function is also to make some input in ensuring that the, the streams of justice isn't polluted and isn't contaminated by the work of the media. In other words, the balance between freedom of the press, the press being able to carry certain things and say certain things concerning the editorial around their story. He, can, he the director of public prosecutions, can step into that arena and write to the, the, the media houses, get involved in terms of inform the media that how oh, you can only carry so much and to be very, very careful about what you, what you put in newsprint because when readers out there read about what the, the media is, is, is telegraphing to them or they listen to what they're hearing on social media or they listen to what is being said, um, they, began, they begin to, to relive and, and to exist within the, the narrative that is being carried. So, The the balance that has to be carried is whether the the director should get involved before the trial starts and try to constrain what what is put into the public space concerning an individual or the facts of a matter. That is why it is very often lawyers are said not to try your your case in the media, not not to to go out there and start um, representing the interests of your client, um, offering information that amongst nearly evidence. And um, you're, you're, you're leading your evidence through newsprint and through social media and, and, and through the t- YouTube and television and books and any form of streaming. Yes. So the director could simply call out on the attorney and said, listen, this matters before the court. You should not be carrying any storyline, reading any, reading any byline. And it was ruled that that balance, between play, that balance in order to achieve fear play between freedom of the press and um, the role of the DPP to control what comes into public space must be established very early. However, what we got in the, in the, in the Dole Shady matter, um, what happened in that is very simple. There was the Babulal family, three, four persons came, ma- made their demise. Um, the, the story went, w- simply carried forward indicated that Dole Shady called a hit on, on the Babulal family. Yeah. Um, gunmen turned up at his house, eight gunmen, and Having turned up at the family's home, there were two persons who turned state witnesses, Clint Hoggins and uh, Levi Morris. I mean, what no happened Both there. of those individuals turned state witnesses. And they, they offered evidence for the prosecution against the, the, the Gang of Eight. And um, what, what evolved out of that situation is that they were saying that Dole Shady organized the entire, the, the entire episode. He was the conspirator, he's the one who planned the episode. And um, the men turned up in those days, in 1994, with two t- uh, 238 guns, 244 and two thirty-eight guns, two forty-four and 9 mm Now, in, in modern times, that, that, that's jokey weapons, but it's, it was serious weapons in that context. Mm-hmm. Now, simply put, um, the Shady's defence team, involving uh, senior counsel Frank Solomon and, and Desmond Alum, they offered to the, to the court that this there should be a stay of prosecution a stay of prosecution is where the trial process should be stopped because we cannot get anybody willing to stand before this court in terms of jurors who are willing to put their lives at risk given the fact that there has been rumors that everyone or most witnesses who have offered evidence against this man in the past met their demise and it was alleged that he was responsible so what the, the courts of Trinidad and Tobago, the judiciary, did is they set up a court in the, in the, in the northwestern peninsula in Chagaramas, um, separate. Witnesses were airlifted into the, in, into the courtroom situation, and, um, and the trial process began. This began somewhere in around July 1996. Um, there was a verdict by September, and, but the process to vet the jurors was an extensive process. Amendment had to be done to the Jury Act. Um, because many jurors express qualms about being, um, being able to offer themselves and to be unbiased. Um,
0: and of course you have this, you have the law when it comes to the Jury Act, that there's only certain exceptions um, that will disallow a prospective juror from participating in the trial process right and and this is all part of the, the the
1: ruling of the court this matter went all the way to the the Privy Council the Court of Appeal made a ruling in, th- in terms of whether he can get a fair trial the Court of Appeal said that he can't get a fair trial in this country they went to the Privy Council in appealing the Court of Appeal's decision because Chedi was insistent that he couldn't get it what the court is saying the best constraints and to the, or the best control mechanisms that are in place to ensure that fair trials persist in this country would be the criminal court itself. So for, it starts from the jury section. When the jurors are being selected, the prosecution and the, and the defense has an opportunity to vet the jurors, to ask questions of them, whether they, they think they, can they offer a reasonable verdict in this. And if it is at the end of the process, we can find 12 persons, and we did in this instance find 12 persons and eight um, alternates. Um, the trial process proceeded. It also meant that the judge has a, has a, has a part to play. He can, he can direct the jury when they're going to deliberate on a decision um, and tell them very very succinctly that you need to separate yourself from the um, editorial, from the innuendo surrounding the individual and, and allow yourself to make a decision purely based on the evidence. So pre-trial publicity, it's, it's important to, to recognize that The control mechanisms essentially lies with the court. Um, The Privy Council ruled that though the Director of Public Prosecutions in the case of Dolchiti didn't directly get involved and and put control mechanisms in place in terms of instructing the media what they can and cannot carry, it doesn't in itself prejudice the the ability of the court to manage and regulate the, the evidence in the courtroom so much so to control the jurors on the level of imparting to them the need to separate themselves. So uh, in order to to achieve a fair trial in any criminal court, you need the input of the Director of Public Prosecutions before the trial starts. You need the the cooperation of the media in terms of not not carrying the facts of the matter. And you also need the the attorneys in the matter to not try the matter in the media because defense attorneys tend to do anything to generate sympathy towards their client.
0: Of course, and of course, you know, everything is leaked to the media. Everything has to be posted in the media's yeah. forum. Um, and, and let's look at, okay, this was 94. Uh, moving forward now, um, we also have an issue, of course, um, with the delay in the criminal trial process. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned that a verdict was... Um, Try starting in July, and the issue um, verdict um, got there by, what well, was delivered, sorry, by September, right, um, and now we have the issue of delays, um, constant delays in, in, in the criminal justice system. I know the judiciary would have um, done a lot of different things. Legislation were amended in terms of bypassing pre, pre, uh, preliminary inquiries or having judge alone trials. But yet there are still persons that are in remand for more than 15, 20 years. Let's touch on that issue. I know we have spoken about it uh, on previous forums, but let's touch on, on why, why it takes up to 10 years um, for someone to, for an accused person to go before a trial, well, judge or jury. Right,
1: but perhaps you could just look at some stats, J- just to start where we are. On the 7th of October 2020, the Chief Justice had indicated that in the year 2019, the the criminal court was able to dispense with 12 indictments. 12 indictment means that there were 12 trial processes, criminal trial processes in the year 2019. But he was indicating that though they were able to achieve same, there were 1,706 cases that are before the High Court, um, for trial processes, but they couldn't start the trials and of the 1,706 cases, um, 960 of those matters have been delayed for a period of 10 years. So the, the problem we were having is simply that we have too little, too little number of courts in this country to absorb the levels of criminality that, that, that is taking place. In other words, there's more crime taking place, so crime is taking place at a faster rate than the courts could absorb and ventilate all these issues. So, in, in dealing with delays in, in, in the justice system um, what one needs to, to, to understand is that the court itself um, could only do so much with the introduction of the criminal procedure rules, the introduction of the judge-alone trials, these are mechanisms that the court has taken to eliminate the need for lengthy trials. When you have juries um, making decisions in a matter, they are arbiters of fact, they are determining a person's innocence or guilt. Uh, it is the perception that a jury may take longer to absorb the information, to be able to process what is happening, and um, in order to, to come to conclusions in matters. Sometimes when you have a judge alone making a decision, meaning the judge um, rules on facts and rules on, on, on law, the process in the courtroom can, can be a lot faster. The, the, the thing with delays, is um, It is difficult when, when you have uh, an administration of justice that is slow because of a lack of, the, a, a lack of courtrooms that could treat with the matters and a lack of, of, of personnel to, to deal with everything, um, to push, and especially when in cases, as we said, that we, we have uh, a total of, what, 1,706 cases backlog.
0: Yeah, but what about the fact that the DPP's the, the office or even the prosecution um, Whether by virtue of witnesses and stuff, they are never ready to right. proceed. You know, Because a lot of times you find that the delay is not really on the defense side, but on the prosecution side. Right. And justices or magistrates will, will continuously adjourn. Um, yes, giving stern um, remarks on the need to speedily deal with the trials, but at the end of the day, let's touch on that. Right.
1: It is carried, and, and it's, it's, it's public knowledge, that right now the Forensic Science Center has to analyze 100,000 100, um, guns in terms of determining whether they are forensically or scientifically proven to be guns. When it is somebody comes before the court, it is often described as an L-shaped object resembling that of a firearm. Um, but for something to qualify, for an, a, an L-shaped object to qualify as a firearm, it must meet certain requirements, it must have a trigger, it must have a barrel, and um, sometimes if, it is a, if a gun comes before the court and it has not been properly analyzed, um, it remains an L-shaped object resembling that of a firearm. It doesn't, the, the court must have an analysis done of, of the weapon, but when it is you have a 100,000 of those weapons to be analyzed and one forensic science center, it is the, from the administrative side. The prosecution finds itself hamstrung because they cannot proceed with a trial even though they may have statements on witnesses, even though they may have the file as it pertains to the police complainant and the police witnesses and the civilian witnesses ready and, and, and they're prepared to, to begin a trial. The, one of the major delays is if the crime involved a firearm and very often now we see a lot of crimes involving high powered rifles, AR-57s, 9 millimeter weapons, and until this analysis is complete, then the, the trial process is delayed even from the forensic science center end. So apart from, so what we're seeing here now is apart from the, the delays within the, the, in terms of backlogs over the years, and people joining the queue, so man in 2022 20, is joining the queue behind somebody who's been waiting since 2015. Um, we have delays in terms of the administrative and in terms of the forensic evidence is not being, be, be, it's not ready. It applies to marijuana, it applies to cooking and drugs. It takes years for sometimes these, these items to be analyzed, and if it is not analyzed, and we don't have certificates that reflect such scientifically the L-shaped object is in a gun, the plant-like material is marijuana, that in itself delays things.
0: Indeed. So
1: delays in, in justice is hinged to that sort of thing.
0: But then we're looking at also delays in terms of, yes, we have the disadvantages in terms of fair trial um, for the accused, but then... What about the issue of witnesses dying, witnesses or memories being faded, and all these various things that will infringe and obviously will be at an advantage to the accused person. Right, and this all this ties in,
1: delays ties into fair trials. When it is we have a matter delayed 10 years, and the, the, the witnesses that the defense may wish to offer, who may be offering something to strengthen his case against what the prosecution is saying. Meaning you may have an alibi. Your alibi might be able to say, well, I could not be killing somebody in Tunapuna when it is I he was in San Fernando in Gulf City with me. So the, the witness not being able to be present to ten years down the line may simply deprive that man of a fair trial. And it works vice versa too. Right, the, just... the, the prosecution the prosecution may find themselves short of a witness. They might find themselves in a situation where they, it's been 10 years, the witness that they're going to offer has died, he is ailing, he has moved abroad, um, he simply may be fearful. He, uh, there are any number of reasons, and, and what, what results as a result of that is, we aren't able to get the result that we need. We aren't able to get a fear trial, we are unable to, to fully ventilate the facts in the in the trial because of the unavailability of witness for for different reasons. And and delays are direct result of that. Delays also are affected when you have from the criminal justice side, the victim is afraid to come and give evidence because it's been 10 years it would rape victims. When they wait ten years, when they wait ten years in order to to get an opportunity to offer the evidence. Some of these women they're married, they move on in their lives, they they have partners who they, who've, they've never shared their, their rape experience with the, the, the sexual violation that they went through, and they're simply not interested anymore in, in offering any evidence. So when we have delays, the delays work for the, for the prosecution sometimes, and it works against them. It, we have to look at the issue in, in the context of, of time and space, and justice isn't served when justice is delayed.
0: Indeed, and justice delayed is justice denied, right? Yeah. Um, and obviously, what, what, what sort of, I mean, yes, we with the impact, but then, does that mean that there may be mistrials um, because of such delays or, or whatever varying um, um, obstacles that may f- be in the pathway of, of administration of justice? Well, what can happen is simply this.
1: Um, and, and we need to look at, at probably it from a constitutional point of view. In Trinidad and Tobago, we don't have in this country the right to a prompt trial. We have the right to a, a prompt hearing, and a prompt hearing is different from a prompt trial. A prompt hearing is where um, once, you, once you've been arrested, um, you ought to be informed the reason for your arrest. And once there's sufficient evidence the lay a charge, the charge ought to be laid. And then you're brought before the court for a prompt hearing in terms of dealing with bail. And you can get bail for murder now if it is your, your, your case is strong. And, and however, we do. In Canada, one has a right to not just a prompt hearing but a prompt trial. We don't have in our constitution any, in, any, any provision that speaks to having a prompt trial process. So the trial process may be delayed simply because um, of all the other administrative difficulties. The, the, the court doesn't feel forced or to, prompted to, um, to start a criminal trial. Um, there's, an, there's another angle in the delay, uh, Rondell. When we have preliminary inquiries, and the preliminary inquiry may take two years to begin, um, very much accused may, very often accused don't, can't afford a private attorney, they have to turn to legal aid. Yeah, that, okay. that process of appointing a, 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 an attorney by way of legal aid is not a simple process. It is um, likely. When it is you, you, you retain a private attorney now, the private attorney may be um, inundated with other matters. He may want to start the matter, he can't start it because he's busy doing four and five trials. By the time we get to the trial process, we could, re- we could have situations where there are mistrials simply because um, the trial process has begun, um, witnesses are available, but in the offering of the evidence, um, witnesses' memory fade. They, they say they, they can't recall the statement that they gave 10 years before. They can't recall the details of the statement. They, they step out of the line of the statement and they're giving contrary information, contrary to what is in their statement. So it, it really stifles the criminal process. It stifles the criminal justice process. It, it stifles the wheels of justice. So if you find a witness now saying that he, he can't remember, and he can't remember material things that touch and concern the commission of the offence, then, simply put, um, the judge may be in a position where he has to make a decision concerning whether the prosecution's case is strong enough. You may have a no-case submission at the end of the prosecution's case where the defense attorney gets an opportunity to examine the evidence, and he says to the court, listen, the evidence here is weak, or if, it, if it's not weak, it's, the evidence is not, there is no evidence, because the witnesses, if they, if they haven't been killed in the, in, the, in the time frame, they died naturally. If they haven't died naturally, they're unavailable because they have not been acquainting themselves with the evidence, they're too timid to come to court, sufficient time has passed, they frustrated, um, and and simply they, they lose interest, they're
0: disinterested. Yeah. And you can't well you can't really force someone's memory. So, so criminal trials <laughs>
1: criminal trials are frustrated all the time.
0: And let's, 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 let's change the discussion to, to the notion of joint enterprise. Right. Um, we have heard it um, I mean, I know, obviously, lawyers know what it is, but in terms of a layman um, explanation, give us what is, what is exactly is a joint enterprise in the context of criminal law?
1: Right. Well, but let's look at, look at a, a very briefly, uh, uh, the Pennywise situation, that, that, that very popular situation right. in the minds yeah. of everyone. Yeah. In as much as the matter is, is, is potentially before the court, there are areas that we can touch on. That, that offense that, that allegedly took place, right, um, in terms of the context of what is carried in the media, what what it clearly reflects is there were more than one persons involved um, four persons met their demise four person those four persons were alleged to be involved in the, in the actual robbery they were responsible for the death of two security officers and the um injury to utter a third had they survived and had they been held then they possibly may be looking at a, a, a murder charge and an attempted murder charge on the person that survived um, unfortunately for them they're in another place they've met their demise but there was a survivor the survivor, his vehicle was involved in the commission of the offense, uh, Anissa and X-Trail. The investigation that, that followed um, simply reflected that he became a person of interest. Um, a person of interest is not a suspect, a person of interest is somebody who may have questions to answer in relation to what has happened. Your vehicle was found to be involved. Um, Unless you have a reasonable explanation to explain how your vehicle came to be involved in that, then the natural inference is that you offered your vehicle...
0: I know they said that it was, um, he was kidnapped. Well, not kidnapped, or the vehicle was hijacked or right. something. Right, <laughs> So that, that was his explanation. Yeah.
1: It's a natural inference that if the vehicle
0: belongs to you,
1: if it is the certified copy carries your name and it was used in the commission of offense, then you may be involved in some way. So joint enterprise involves a conspiracy by by a number of persons to commit a criminal offense. And the conspiracy involves an agreement among the four four to six persons where they came together and they planned an operation. So if it is in interrogating an individual, the owner of the Nissan X-Trail, the police are of the view that having spoken to him, he is involved in some way, they need to extract out of him whether by way of confession or by way of information coming from him or whether he was involved or not. If he exercises his right to silence as as anyone may in a yeah. situation like that, um, then the the difficulty the police have is where do we get evidence to point him to to, to the incident. Let me put all of this in phones a what way.
0: about um obviously you have I mean warrant for right. for uh Going through the, the cell phone cell phone image, well so, conversations, etc. So what evidence.
1: the can do in this instance is simply um, the cyber unit would take control of his phone. They would they would examine the contents of the phone, they would carry they, they would listen to the conversations he would have had because in their liaison with the with the mobile network C S C T D D Digicel, um, they would be able to to listen into conversations he would be, he would have been having. Under the Strategic Intelligence Act. We have the software and the spyware in order to go into conversations and dialogues persons have. So if it is they check his phone and check check the conversations he was having and listening to the conversations. If it is he is carrying conversations about committing an act, about being involved in something criminal, about planning an operation, the 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 data extracted out of the phone, even WhatsApp messages and text messages. All of that could be, could be extracted from the phone and it could link him to the incident. So therefore, he may not have a leg to stand on. The fact that he's now in the free will may insinuate that nothing of, of that scientific nature was found. But joint enterprise involves not just the persons who pull the trigger, or not that the persons who, who break into the store, not just the persons who shoot, who assault, who rob, who steal. Joint enterprise involves the people behind the scene, the people who procure a criminal offence by supplying a gun, by supplying a car, by driving you to the crime scene, waiting for you while you go in there and do your thing, and then you come back in the weekend and the vehicle drive off with you. So and they you, are
0: more like accessories, we call it so, accessories. So, as well. you,
1: if it is you, if it is you, you drove uh, a vehicle and you drop a man off, you may have procured the offence, you encourage the offence. If it is you pick up. A man after the incident, you, and, and you provided transportation, you may be seen as an accessory after the commission of the offense. So you have accessories and aiders and abettors before the commission of the offense and after the commission of the defense. Sometimes people who provide the intelligence, you may pick up the phone and call and say, "For Ali now is on Gatica Street, that he should be exiting the building in 15 minutes. Yeah. A man turns up and guns me down. You're, you're guilty for murder you will carry culpability, yeah. liability, and, and blame because you've contributed in some ways a joint enterprise involves just about everyone who may have contributed in whatever small way, but a material way. And without your input, um, the commission of the offense may not have been, not have been achieved.
0: Indeed. Um, Farid, you know, it's always good to, to have you here. It's always good to, to hear um, your 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 knowledge and also your interpretation of the law. But unfortunately, we're out of time again. Yeah. Um, but I want to thank you uh, for coming on this set and explaining that in, in very much details. And I'm sure our audience will be appreciative. So thank you so much, Farid Ali. It's a pleasure to be here. Indeed. Guys, it's a wrap. You have been watching Strictly Legal on WESN, ah. Content Capital, with my guest, uh, Mr. Farid Ali, at Law, of course. You can stream us as well, and you can't watch our replays. Uh, and, um, and, of course, Strictly Legal with Ronald Dono, podcast. Before I leave, I'll leave you with this. If you cannot do great things, do small things in a great way. Have a good week. Good day. Bye.